Hello and welcome to the Carmichael podcast series. Carmichael, we support and provide guidance to other charities and non-profits in Ireland on running their organisation, complying with good governance practice. In this series of podcasts, we'll be asking questions and hopefully providing some answers to some of the big issues facing non-profit organisations. I'm Dermot O'Carbui, the CEO of Carmichael, and joining me today is our training officer in Carmichael, um, Andrew Madden. So, Andrew, today we are picking that interesting topic of risk and risk management. Mm. Maybe just kick it off. When we're talking about risk and risk management, because these are, these are relatively new terms and, you know, that wasn't in the sort of mindsets of organizations, say, 10, 15 years ago, but mm. now every charity has to be focused on risk and risk management. So you might tell me a bit what, what risk management is all about. Okay, well, just to start off, I suppose, if we define risk as an event which may or may not happen at some stage in the future, which could get in the way of an organisation trying to achieve its objectives. So you have plans for the day, for the week, for the month, for the year, for the next three years, and there's lots of things could happen in the meantime that could get in the way of you trying to realise your your objectives, indeed deliver the services that, that you want to deliver or reach the people or, or whatever it is. So a risk can be anything that, that, that may happen that get in the way of you trying to do what you want to do. And then risk management is really the things that we do within an organisation to try and stop those things happening. And there's no guarantee that you'll be able to, but you want to put every effort into trying and minimise the chances of things going wrong or things happening that will get in the way of you doing your work. So a risk management system is, apart from a good practice, is a very useful thing for organisations to have in place. Could you talk me through the, 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 the components part of sort of if we're a charity that may have put in a risk management system before, before what sort of things would be would you expect to see in a, in a good risk management system? Well, I suppose, I mean, the main thing is to keep it proportionate to the size of the organisation and to keep it simple and not, not overcomplicated. The first thing is to think about having a risk management policy where you will put in a document over a course of two or three pages. It doesn't have to be a huge thing, just how you're going to manage risk within the organisation. Hopefully you will have somebody within the organisation who's taking a lead on managing risk. And what sort of person typically would that person be? Would it be well, it depends from the, on the board? Size of, I mean, it depends on the size of the organisation. It could be somebody on the board who might be chairing an audit and risks subcommittee, for example. It may well be the manager or the CEO in a very small organisation where somebody on the board is, is, is not available to do that. So it really depends, but you want one person to take the lead. And it's very important that everybody else doesn't think that they don't have any responsibilities now because somebody else is, is looking after risk. In the same way that you have a treasurer doesn't mean that the rest of the board is absolved from its responsibility to provide financial oversight. Just because somebody's taking the lead on risk doesn't mean other people can take their eye off the ball. It is the board's responsibility, ultimately, to make sure there's a comprehensive risk management system in place proportionate to the size of the organisation. So a risk management policy, somebody taking the lead on managing risk and leading the organisation in that regard. And then the third thing is the risk register, which is very important. And again, keep it simple, don't overcomplicate it. And a risk register is just a list of your risks, categorised in, in under headings that we'll talk about later. And within that, you then evaluate and prioritise your risks so that you can see what's a very high risk on the basis of impact and likelihood to happen and what's a low risk. So that's the, you know, a risk management system is really a policy, a person leading a risk register. And this should be a regular item as part of the system, a regular item on the board a agenda. Okay, so just maybe just to summarize. So 
for every organisation should have somebody or so, some committee responsible for risk on behalf of the whole organisation. Yes. But ultimately, it is a board responsibility yes. to make sure risk is there. The risk policy is setting out the organisation's approach and to risk. And that other one, which is the word that said the risk register, sounds very, very formal. But from what you're saying there, it is just identifying the risk, documenting them and listing them down. Yeah, and just keep it simple. On, on a spreadsheet, five or six categories, and you just list the time. And we'll talk about them in some detail in a while. Okay, because yeah. no, you, you, you mentioned categories. Typically, what would be the main categories for a charity or a non-profit organisation? Okay, well, we list them and then we talk about them. So governance, strategic, compliance, operational, financial, environmental and reputational. Although you could argue reputational is, is, is in them all. Because if, if any of them goes seriously wrong and you're not managing them, then you risk the, 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 uh, damage to the reputation of the organisation. So the first one is, is governance. So you can imagine a spreadsheet because you've got heading number one, governance. What are your governance risks? And examples would be the board not, not knowing its governance responsibilities, not knowing what its trustees or directors on the board, not knowing what their job is. So they're, they're understanding what their role, their responsibilities, yes. their legal and regulatory duties yes. as trustees or directors of the organisation. Yes. So sometimes you'll see in an organisation where they're too involved in management or operations, for example, and they, they've, they've taken their eye off the ball in terms of their actual governance responsibilities. So that's one, one problem, one risk. Another is that you have the same people on the board for a very long time. So you don't have turnover and you don't have new ideas and new energy, new blood coming into the board. Or you might have you know, the same people on the board and half of them are very active and half of them are just bums on seats and, you know, I'm not making a contribution and not providing a challenge to maybe things that are being said or being agreed. So that would be governance or examples of things that might be on your, your governance risk. Another, another one actually under governance might be not being able to find new board members. So, you know, people have to work at uh, identifying what skills they need on the board and go, go about finding them through board match or volunteer Ireland or whatever. The second category of risk would be st- strategic. So really, you know, most organisations are working, should be working to a plan, whether it's a one-year plan or a three-year plan. And a, a strategic risk is anything that gets, can get in, in the way of realising your, your objectives in your strategic plan. And that could be caused by not having enough resources to, to actually realise the things that you wanted to do or not understanding what resources were actually needed in the first place, whether that's money or people or time um, and not understanding all the things that were needed. So you have this very grand three-year plan, but actually you don't have the resources in place to be able to give effect to it. So that, that's a risk. The next one will be compliance. So compliance in terms of legal or regulatory compliance. So an organisation, for example, an obvious one is an organisation that that ought to be a registered charity because it falls under the definition of charitable purpose and public for public benefit under the Act, but isn't actually registered or hasn't applied to be registered. And an even greater risk is if they are presenting themselves publicly as a charity. So that's very high risk. But other things in terms of safeguarding, for example, and guard vetting, not being compliant with the guard vetting Act properly. One that comes up a lot when I'm doing workshops is lobbying. 
So, and you know, we have, end up having a conversation about lobbying and people have a look at the, the, the lobbying.ie website and then they realise, yes, we have been lobbying and, and other organisations like us are registered and we're not and we're doing the same activities. Yes, I think, I think lobbying is one that for a lot of organisations is a blind spot because they don't see themselves as a professional lobbyist. Um, I, I, I was in a similar workshop and it was a time of an election and I said, if the politician comes knocking on your door, do you have a conversation about support for your local community centre or, or some organisation you're involved in? And they said, oh yeah, of course we use that opportunity. And I said, well, that's lobbying. And, you know, you need to understand that, you need to register and you need to fill in the form. So it's one of those things, I, I'm not a lobbyist, yes. but it's important that people understand what is defined as lobbying and, and, and if you are involved in that type of activity, for a good reason, mm-hmm. you need to be registered and yes. you need to fill in the report. Yeah. And there is a very simple three-step test on the website. And when you show it to people, they, there you can see their sort of eyes widening and they realise this is us. We are, we are defined there. So there's lots of things that are in terms of regulation and legislation that people have to be compliant with. And it's important that somebody in the organisation has a good sight of all those and an understanding and that that's being reported to the board regularly, that, that the organisation is compliant. Another category of risk is operational which is quite broad, but it's very important. So anything that could get in the way of the operations of the, of the, of the non-profit organisation, and that could be not having enough staff, uh, staff, staff, staff being unavailable. So you have, you have staff in place, but one or two people go sick long-term, for example, and other people. Maybe you, know, you, have, a, you have a team of four people and uh, they only know how to do their own jobs. They don't know how to do any of each other's jobs. So then somebody's sick and that person pays the wages, for example. Another example, and we, we see this in Carmichael from time to time, where you have organisations that are, that are very small and they might have one member of staff who's the manager and they're doing a lot of work and the board is very reliant on that person and then that person is suddenly unavailable for the next three months due to something that has happened unforeseen and how does that organisation continue to do its work that's a very very high risk something they have to give due consideration to in advance of that actually happening so there's lots of things from an operational point of view that could that could go wrong but it's usually around people another one is your 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 premises or your building is not available so what happens on a Monday morning, you turn up, the place is flooded, or the roof is blown off, or whatever. Sometimes, like when we had the snow a couple of years ago, the whole country was affected. So a lot of people knew, a lot of other people might not be at their place of work. But it might just be your building that's unavailable. And this is a very good example where people have to realise risk is not just for big organisations. You could be providing meals on wheels to 30 people in a very small catchment area and you turn up at nine o'clock on a Monday morning and you've no gas or electricity, what's the plan to feed those people by lunchtime? Because there, there has to be one. You can't send them text messages and say there's no food coming today. More is needed, you know what I mean? So depending on the type of work that you're doing, you have to understand what, if we can't do that at very short notice, what do we do? And whether it's just communicating with people or making alternative arrangements to, to be able to actually provide the service. Risks in the area of, of finance are very important. And it could be, again, it could be as simple as not having the resources. But in terms of the board and, and, and its responsibilities around finance, it's not providing a proper level of financial oversight in the organisation. And I mean, there's lots of people on boards that don't have um, an expertise or qualifications or experience in finance, but they actually have a responsibility for the financial oversight of the organisation. So that's a risk area. 
And it's all very fine, as I said earlier, saying, well, we have a treasurer. But that person will take the lead, but they don't take your, your responsibility away from you if you're on the board. So there are, you have to make sure in, in terms of what, what you might do there is provide training, for example, for people so that they have some understanding of the paperwork, that the management accounts and income and expenditure and budgeting. These documents are put before them at management meetings regularly and some training and trying to un- understand them is, is important. Another risk, and of course financial oversight is very important because it's, it's one of the ways that you try to minimise the risk of fraud, for example. So you're looking at this paperwork being provided every month, but you know, if somebody was doing something they oughtn't to be doing, what, what measures have you put in place to minimise the risk of it happening and to maximise the, 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 the chances of you spotting it if, if it if it does happen? So that's very important under finance. Another risk is environmental. So when we talk about environmental risks with an organisation, we're talking about external risks. Things that could happen, decisions that could be taken by other people that have a huge impact on your organisation. So, for example, a lot of organisations, including Carmichael, are very dependent on supported employment schemes. So what happens if the government makes a decision regarding the future of supported employment schemes and doing away with them or minimising the numbers and then your organisation is very dependent on them? That's a very significant thing. It's not a, not a huge amount maybe that you can do in advance of environmental risk, but it's very important to at least be aware of them and be aware that, that those sort of decisions are... So anything that could happen from the point of view of regulation or legislation, for example, or one of the other organisations operating in a similar space to you within the sector that has more resources, decides to provide a service very similar to yours, and you provide that service, it's an income stream that you depend on. That's a risk to your income stream. So it's what, what can you do about that? You know, you mean an organisation needs, needs to give you thought to that. Um, and the last one is, is reputational, but it really c- covers all of those because if you do, if if you're not managing risk under under finance or compliance or strategy, then you you risk damage to the reputation of the organisation. So it's not a, a risk on it, on its own. If you mismanage your finances, and then there's 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 public reports of fraud, for example, that's that's and and you're al- you're aligned on fundraising, well that's a risk to you, to the income in your organisation. So, and, and board members and other members of staff, everybody within the organisation, c- conducting themselves properly on behalf of that organisation is very important to guarantee the reputation it's of the organisation. Very, very, very important one, as you say, because a lot of organisations are built around trust. And when mm. that trust is broken, it can be very difficult to repair and restore that trust. That, that, I think that you're very useful there you're going through the different categories because it helps you think through of the different types of risks. Um, so going through those six categories you get is a useful device for organisations to sort of think about each area and what the, the, the risks are. When you go through that, you might say, oh my goodness, I have a huge list of possible things that are at risk, and, and that's fine, but are all risks equal? Or, you know, you know, or no, could you end aren't. up instead of chasing your tail with, say, 100 yeah. different risks? So what, what do you do to sort of... Well, there's two things. First of all, in terms of um, to try to avoid ending up with a huge list. You know, if your premises is unavailable, then you don't have to list 100 reasons why that, much, that, that might happen. That's just one risk. You know, you, you can't get into your building. Um, you don't have to list all the reasons why that might be. And then when you've, when you've listed all your risks, you, what you want to be able to do is, is rate them. So you think, well, on a scale of one to five, what's the chance of that happening? And on a scale of one to five, what's the impact of that if it does happen? So two, two scales. One is 
the likelihood of the, what's the likelihood of this risk happening? So, being hit by a meteorite might be a low risk. Yes. But the, the other side is only the impact. If it did hit you, yeah. it's a, it's a yeah. high impact. So, it's, so you it's, multiply those two and you have a rating of five for that risk. Right. If you have a bore that doesn't know it's any responsibilities, that's very high risk. That's five. And it's already happening. So you, that's five by five. That's 25. So you have a very high level government risk. Red light risk. flashing. Yes. So, that's, so you end up in your spreadsheet with your, with your categories, your risks. You, you, you measure them by on a scale of one to five by likelihood of happening and then by impact. So you should have a list of numbers then and you can see anything from 1 to 25. So that will help you prioritise. So the ones with the high numbers are the ones that should concentrate most of the, the energy in terms of reviewing and the, the risk. And then the lower ones you just keep an eye on, but you don't, yes. don't necessarily have to spend loads of time on them, but you should just keep an eye on them. From that process, you've got your risk register. You've yes. gone through your categories, you've identified the risks that are specific to your organisation, which is yeah. important, that you don't lift somebody else's risk register and say, here no. we go. You need to think about what's specific to the organisation and the business of your charity that you're in, because mm-hmm. it have. So if you're in Meads and Wheels, you'll have health and safety and food yeah. safety that may not reply to somebody that's not in that area. So we have now gone our categories. We've got our ratings based on impact and likelihood. The other part of it is this thing, you know, risk mitigation. What, what, mm. That's the other part of the management yes. system. Talk to me about risk mitigation. What's, what's that? Well, then you have to think, having identified your risks and, and identified particularly the ones that are high or medium risk, then what can you do about them? And sometimes you want to take action to avoid them. Sometimes you want to mitigate. So, for example, somebody could have an accident and fall. The, the obvious thing to do is to do whatever from a health and safety point of view to make sure that that doesn't happen. But you also want to make sure that you have the proper insurance in place for your organisation. That's ways to, to mitigate risk. The board not knowing its responsibilities or some of them, the way to mitigate that is to provide training and to look at the skill set of the board, maybe bring new people on board that have the skills that, 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 that are missing. You're lowering the chance of, of, a, of a governance risk. That, that's an important point. So, and I think risk management is, is, a, is a continuous iterative yes. process. So first pass is to identify, rate them, come up with your prioritization, then put in the mitigation and the actions that you're going to do to, to reduce or minimize or prevent where possible. That should produce a new score. If yes, you, if, if you've you implemented it, yes. those mitigations, so you review it again, and then it may change. So, so, yes. so if if the board members were totally oblivious to their duties, if you provide training, that should come down. So it may go from a very high, say twenty to twenty-five, down to maybe a, a ten to fifteen. So yes. it's important that you review those once you've done those actions. Yes. That you review the, the, the your scoring system. Absolutely, and there ought to be a standing risk 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 register which everybody in the board then has. So they understand these are the risks for our organisation, and then at um, board meetings, this should be reviewed. Not the whole list, but is there any risk that has changed and in, 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 gone up in risk or gone down in risk? So you might be hearing from the manager or from the chair of the audit and risk committee that you know it's coming to the end of the year we don't have funding in place for the, for the new year so our f- financial viability is now the risk to the organisation has gone up because we don't have our, our money for next year or you know something like that has happened but it, it ought to be something that's at least for mention at every board meeting so that the board realise this is the risk register this is our responsibility and we are managing the risk we know what's high and what's low and it, has anything changed yeah, just maybe a way of example in, in terms of in Carmichael here we have a 
a specific committee that looks at risk and governance, and they would focus primarily on the big, the big ones, the, the, the red, the ones that we've labelled red, the very high risk. So there's a each meeting of that committee, there is a detailed review of at least one of those risks to report back into the board of what 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 our view is and if anything's changed or if, if we've looked at the actions are we happy with the actions that are appropriate or could new actions be done and then on a regular basis once a year the CEO is asked to do an update of the register so which would look at all the risks and see is there anything changed and that goes part of the process so it, it is something that has to be continued yes and, absolutely uh, and because yeah. things happen out there that will change the, your environment or change yeah. so um, I'm on a board and I just got an email from the chair of the board saying our CEO is going to be stepping down but at least the CEO has given us plenty of notice mm-hmm. so we can plan that process but again that risk is suddenly gone from where it might have been a low risk because we had no view that this was going to ha- likely happen but now we've got information that's going to happen so it's yes. that process of continually looking. There's a lot in that and we've covered a lot in a very short time. What sort of resources or help are available to organisations to help them review the risk or start from scratch and putting in the risk management system? Okay, well, there's two things that come to mind. One is we have a suite of of e-learning resources at Carmichael and one of them is on risk management. So everything that we've talked about is available on that e-learning resource and, and at the end of it, you can download all of the material as well. And also on the Charities Regulators website, there's a guidance document on risk management, which talks about the categories that we've talked about and goes into some detail underneath, and under each one, and also talks briefly about the things that make up a risk management system. So that's available on the Charities so Regulators website. two key sources. Yeah. Go on to the Carmichael website, because we've got material, but also we've particularly got that e-learning module, which is a short yes very it's a one hour one yeah. hour to help organizations to go through to, to develop their their risk management systems or to review the risk management system and you said the charity regulator has some good resources as, as a well. guidance document yeah it's also to bear in mind those that are going through the process of getting ready to comply with the charity's code it does ask that every charity has a risk management system in place so it's yes. something that you if you don't have you will need to have or if you have is it up to date? Is it fit for purpose? And is, yeah. is it doing what it needs to do? Because what I've seen some from time to time is big effort goes, you develop the risk register, a lot of activity, six, nine months, nothing happens, 12 months, and it could be two years since anybody had a look at the risk register or review it, and suddenly becomes redundant more or less because nobody is paying any attention there's no constant review and sometimes things don't change but at least you've done it and it's confirmed that they haven't changed but when they do change what happened and the other side is when you put down actions to mitigate the risk is the board needs to say well have we taken those actions like the example you mentioned about have you taken out the insurance have we reviewed is insurance cover Adequate, mm-hmm. you know. We, when's the last time we did a, a proper assessment of the cover? We might have insured the building um, a number of years ago. And we, we just keep rolling over. But has things changed? Have we added to the, the the building over that period of time? So that's part of that continuous process. Just so we sort of finish up in the, this particular topic, what, Andrew, you give lots of examples, but of how we go about doing it. What would your top tips to charities in terms of approaching risk and risk management? I suppose the top tips would be do involve everybody in the organisation. So even though we've talked about this it being the board's responsibility to have a risk management system in place, 
in large organisations, it doesn't mean that people say in your account section or in Carmichael, for example, in our training section, that we wouldn't be aware of the risks just for our just for our section. So do involve do involve as many people as possible in helping to put the, the risk register together, even if some of them are low level risks and just for for small, other parts of the organisation. And also keep it simple and don't overcomplicate it and do bear in mind that some risks are positive all right so if you may think for example okay we're going to employ a fundraiser for the next three years and because we need to raise money but we need to pay them well that's a risk you know and the risk is that they'll they'll cost more than they bring in but you you know if you choose well and and they work well, then that that's a risk that's going to turn out very well for the organisation. I, I think that's an important note to finish up with. Everything in life involves risk. When you get out of bed every morning, you have a certain amount of risks, but the alternative is stay in bed and do nothing. So charities will be doing stuff that will incur risk, and that's naturally part of the process. But so, but it is that you look at it, you review it, and you take action. And as yeah, last tip, as you said, I've seen people that have developed risk systems as like an air traffic control. It's overly complicated, and what happens is becomes redundant because it's too difficult to maintain so keep it simple keep it fit for purpose for your particular organization and always keep it under constant review okay um well thank you very much for listening to this latest episode in the carmichael series today we discussed about risk but we've other podcasts available on making best use of your annual report and implementing the charity governance code If you'd like to find out more about our training services, look at our website, which is carmichaelireland.ie, and do give us a shout. I've been Dermot O'Corbui, and my thanks to Andrew Madden and our podcast producer, Liam Garrity. So we'll be back again. Slán go fóill.